0: Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au.
1: Hello and welcome, I'm Amanda Farmer and this is Your Strata Property today I have a very special episode for you. I actually have two guests with me today. First of all, I'm going to welcome back to the show, Veronica Morgan. Now, Veronica first had a chat with us back in episode 55 when we talked about why strata purchases should work with a buyer's agent. And Veronica, of course, is the founder and principal of Good Deeds Property Buyers. She's also the co-host of the popular Fox Series Location, Location, Location Australia and also Relocation, Relocation on Foxtel's The Lifestyle channel. Now, of course, prior to uh, jumping the fence and becoming a buyer's agent, Veronica was an acclaimed sales agent in a leading independent agency in Sydney's Inner West. She knows a lot about property and I'm welcoming her back to the show today. Hi, Veronica. Well, thank you. Hello. Nice to be here. Great to have you. And I also have with me Rena Van Oust, well-known and loved by so many of you, the owner of Strata Central and my regular co-host on the show. And we are all together today to chat about what to look for when buying a Strata property. Hi, Rena. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks. Good to be back again. Yes, (laughs) lovely to have both of you, very experienced, knowledgeable ladies with me here today. And we had put our heads together and I think identified quite a, a common problem and a little bit of a scary problem, I think, in the area that we work in. Strata owners, buying into strata, looking at buying into strata and not really knowing much about what it is, what to expect, what are some of the common problems and we thought together, let's have a chat about it on the show and try and head off some of that confusion at the pass and see if we can create a smoother transition for people who are entering what doesn't necessarily have to be a complicated, scary space but sometimes is. So, thank you very much for giving up your time today to come and have a chat. I'm going to start by asking you, I I don't mind who wants to jump in first, why do you think it's so important that people understand what they're getting into when they purchase a strata property?
0: You know, I hear a lot of people, there's a lot of misconceptions, a lot of misunderstandings about strata. One of the very, very common ones that I hear is I don't want to buy strata and I always have to ask why and, oh, because of levies. And I'm like, oh, so tell me what you're worried about there. And it's like, oh, well, it's an added cost. Okay, well, so do you know what the levies pay for, you know? And so when we had the conversation to say, well, okay, when you own a house – you are going to have to pay for insurance. You are going to have to pay for maintenance. You are going to have to pay if the roof needs fixing. You're going to have to pay if there's, you know, the the side pathway and there's a tree that the roots rip it up and all that, all the plumbing problems, all of that sort of stuff. You pay for it, but you pay for it as and when it happens. Mm. You don't have much discretion around that, and it is you don't necessarily even budget for it. You just have to pay for it. Whereas in a strata building, of course, it is budgeted for. And a good, well-run building, and Reena, I'm sure that you've got lots to say about (laughs) this, will, you know, will account for and budget for and anticipate that expenditure and also manage how it is spent as well. And that is the same things you're going to have to pay for if you own a house, except that you share the responsibility. So once I sort of put that to them, you know, they think about it quite differently.
2: Mm. Yeah, my experience has been that people actually don't understand what they're buying into. So they think they're actually buying an apartment and that and that apartment is totally theirs. Mm. They can do whatever they want when they want. And as Veronica said, I think another very common issue that comes up is levies. But I think another thing that people should understand is how is the building being run by both the Strata Managing Agent and the Strata Committee? Because In a well-run building, all the things that you're talking about, maintenance, you know, um, improvement, all that stuff sort of happens, whereas if there are buildings where there's conflict between the various members or owners in the building, it can actually cause a lot of problems, I think, for people individually and they don't realise that they're not just buying into their own space, their own apartment where they can just sit there and, you know, like it's their home, but they're part of a community and therefore there are other people that normally in a house purchase you wouldn't have to think of apart from your neighbour perhaps on either side and behind you, whereas in a strata scheme, it's communal living and there's a lot to think about that comes with that, both behavioural issues, financial, and you know, unfortunately political and hopefully if you do your homework and, and check out the records and understand what you're buying, I think that there'll be a much easier process when you do eventually move in and, and
1: live there.
0: And therein lies the big challenge, isn't it, really? So that checking the records and understanding what you're looking for when you're doing that.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to ask you, Veronica. As a buyer's agent, how often are you seeing people who understand the need to do that homework, to check the records? And perhaps if you're recommending it, do you have some pushback there from clients? Oh, no, I don't need to do that. Oh, isn't that an added expense? Oh, it'll all be fine. What are you seeing on your side?
0: Well, interestingly enough, not much pushback on getting a strata report, but a hell of a lack of understanding of what to expect in it and the Mm. fact that they are inconsistent and to what even to look for. And and quite often what we see is that, you know, people may have come to us, they may have already been through a process of looking at some properties, for example, and, and they've been thinking, okay, well, I just get a strata report or my solicitor gets a strata report and then the solicitor reads it. And whenever Mm. I've encountered a solicitor who's actually read the report, and a lot of them now will actually say, no, I don't do that, but Mm. those that do, they they pretty much only comment on the balances, you know, the fund balances. And it's like, oh, my God, if you you get the report, that's fine, but it's not enough to just get the report. (laughs) You have to read it and understand it and also start to understand that it might be missing a hell of a lot of information. And I know when I was talking to you, Rena. You mentioned about the inspectors coming into your offices and the vast difference. or they were they. Yes. To you? Yes. I was shocked when you told me about that.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, my experience has been that, yeah, the reports vary because I've been given copies of reports from various purchases that end up being, you know, owners in some of the buildings that we manage. But most communication now takes place on email i mean you know you do get phone calls but the majority of it is in writing and yet i haven't had one strata search company ask me to look at the emails and i'm thinking you know the minutes you know usually are a summary they're not they don't show the whole picture necessarily some buildings don't meet regularly some think buildings you know do a lot of work on email and proving things and then ratifying them later on and i'm just surprised that no one looks at emails it's just Mm. Uh, but I think also maybe it's obviously a cost issue, because you know the more time the searcher has to spend perusing all the information, obviously, the more they have to charge. So I'm not sure if it's more a costing where people try and just spit out a, a sort of a standard report just to keep at a certain cost to be competitive versus mm. you know, really putting in the time. And, you know, I mean, you're spending over like, I mean, obviously, Veronica, all of us know and Amanda and Sydney prices. I mean, you know, there's nothing under 000, 000, mm. a million dollars. and people are spending a million dollars. and yet, you know, sometimes they, they worry about spending an extra thousand on getting a, a proper report that would give them all the information. I'm not even sure that the inspector companies even offer a more comprehensive option. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right,
1: Yeah. And I'm glad that you mentioned that figurina when you say $1,000 because I've purchased Strata myself before and I've purchased quite recently and I've gone to do the work myself of going to look at books and records because the template, as you say, Strata reports that I see Mm -hmm. are just not good enough. And yes, I look at it through the lens of a lawyer, but it's also something that I'm investing a lot of money in and I'm going to spend that couple of hours and yes, that's $1,000, a couple of hours looking through Mm -hmm. the records and looking at things like that harmony in the building? Are there any tribunal applications? Is there one particular owner who seems to make a lot of complaints? And is that person going to be my new neighbour? That doesn't necessarily come through in your template strata report. You're just getting the balances. You're getting the minutes of the last meeting. And there are only things that you pick up when you have someone like a strata lawyer go through and search through those records with some background knowledge of where future problems lie. And they're often hidden to the naked eye, if you like, um, until they crop up and, and call Mm -hmm. that discontent and that cost it's an
0: interesting one so you know and I'm obviously alarmed by (laughs) this because (laughs) look we have a process we read strata reports and we have we look for the gaps and then seek to find out the answers to those gaps but what we often find is that you ring the strata manager and, and certain companies will have a policy not to speak to anybody other than an owner so they may well have authorised the actual giving access to rec- the records to the inspector, but that's it. That's as far as they go. So there's very little insight to be gained through the actual manager themselves. So I guess, Rene and Amanda, I, I'd be really keen on on some suggestions. I mean, well, I know what we do. We dig, dig, dig. But for, if, for somebody doing it themselves, how on earth are they
2: going to find out that information? Well, I mean, I think in a previous episode on this podcast, I did speak about an experience where I had someone that rang me and wanted more information. And normally, the reason that managers say they can only speak to owners is because they are engaged by the owners' corporation. So that's, you know, it's a law of agency. But the issue that precludes managers from being confident enough to speak is that sometimes what you say could be misconstrued. And this happened in this particular experience that I mentioned on, on a recent episode, where what I'd said to the person was totally misconstrued. And misunderstood, so, therefore, you know she was going to make a potential purchase based on a misunderstanding, and that's why I think where managers can be sued, if Mm -hmm. if someone makes a purchase and then they actually then suffer a loss as a result of that purchase because of information that was given perhaps verbally, whereas if it's in writing, you know at least that's safer. for everyone because the prospective purchaser has it in writing. I've got it in writing. So if people misunderstand what's written, that's a separate issue. But in terms of, you know, he said, she said, it's very hard to, if something goes wrong and it did in this case, I mean, I'm not talking about a building where, you know, she's spending nearly $2 million on an apartment. We weren't talking about a small amount of money.
1: Mm. Excellent question, Veronica. In terms of practical tips for owners who might be wanting to do this work themselves, don't necessarily want to hire a strata lawyer and don't want to rely on the, the template strata report simply make an appointment and do your own search. It's not rocket science. Um, Yes, there is some benefit that you will gain from having someone with experience looking at these records, but if you sit down and set aside a few hours, because you're likely to be met with many, many folders, if not boxes, set aside a few hours to just read through the documents, read through what's put on the desk in front of you and things will jump out to you which will just grab your common sense and say, hmm, okay, well, this particular owner in lot three, hasn't paid their levies for eight months and nobody's doing anything about it. All right, well, how does that affect the bottom line? Why are we having to have a special levy that's come up in the minutes of this general meeting? You may not have your head around all of the terminology, but you're going to get a general idea, I think, from just spending that time yourself looking through the documents slowly, carefully, making notes, writing things down to perhaps Google later. You're going to get a general feel for, is this the property for me or are there are a few red flags here. You'll see things like, oh, there's water penetration. The ceiling of the Lot 7 kitchen has been leaking because of a water leak from above. And that's happened three times over the last four years. Well, there's a problem there. So these things I think are are common sense. And if you don't necessarily have the budget to get an expert to do it for you. There is nothing stopping you as a potential purchaser when a property is on the market from contacting the managing agent and saying, I would like to inspect the books and records. I am a potential purchaser of this property. What time can I make my appointment?
0: Mm, Interesting. Also, though, it can be so overwhelming. Like you said, you get Mm. numerous files and folders and boxes even. And like you say, you say it's common sense. Mm. (laughs) I guess what we look for, if there's not enough information, I, you don't just say, oh, good, this building's got no problems because there's no information, mm. like, there's no complaints or there's no defects or anything. So there's too little information is one red flag. Too much is a, is a scary proposition because it's like, oh, oh my God, this is just an absolute can of worms. So it's sort of like the middle ground in a way. You know, there's going to be issues that crop up. You just want to make sure that they've been managed and handled in a really sensible and professional way. I guess that's sort of it, isn't it? That's is that what you're yes. summarising it down to? Or would you summarise it down to that?
1: I think, yes, there's common sense involved. And something that I'm actually thinking, and I've done it myself when I've inspected strata properties for purchase, there's always sticky beakers that live in the building and they come and have a look at the open for inspection and check out the apartment. And you know who they are. And if you keep your ears open to what they're saying to the agent, oh, I just live in apartment number 30. I'm just sticky beaking. Grab that person and say, oh, hi, how long have you lived in the building? What kind of a building is it? Is it nice? Oh, I've lived here for 25 years. It's lovely. It's quiet. Or they say, you don't want to be here. This is a can of worms. We're about to start a huge renovation. Whatever it is, ask questions. Nobody owns an opinion. There's nothing wrong with you saying, I'm really interested in dropping two mil on this place. Please let me know if it's something that I should get involved in or not. And, you know, We've there's, done <laughs> yeah, I do it quite regularly. And that, I think, that is your quick, cheap, accurate guidance that you're going to get from the people who live in the building.
0: Yeah, that's no, a nice tip. I love that one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> So, look, we've talked about levies. Uh, Rena. from your perspective, have you had people who are new to strata, if not new to property generally, they might be sort of first home buyers and they've just uh, bought their first property and it happens to be strata, or they might be coming from a freestanding home, maybe they're empty nesters or downsizers. What are they, they ringing you up, asking you about? What are some of the common misunderstandings or the gaps in the knowledge? Is it about renovations? Is it about what are bylaws? What are the common things that maybe we can cover Um, off today?
2: Yeah, I think part of it, first one, is, you know, what can I do? You know, renovations is usually a first one because most people when they're buying in want to, you know, renovate, especially if they've bought an older apartment or apartment that's sort of tired. So that is one of the first questions. Although sometimes I've had just recently someone who's gone in there and just, done the work and said to me, oh, well, I've just found out now that, you know, the flooring was original and therefore, you know, here's the bill. So, I think sometimes people don't understand that, you know, in the day, you still got to seek permission to renovate, even depending on the bylaws and what they allow and don't allow, but you can't actually, like you do in a home, just pay for things and then, get a bill and then say, can you pay it? So there's a big misunderstanding, I think, about, you know, what do I own and how does that work? Yeah. I think maybe is another big one, as Veronica mentioned, um, you know, what's it for? People see it as an expense. And the final thing I think people don't understand is about, Repairs, people think that, you know, this has been a problem before I bought this apartment, why can't it be fixed tomorrow? And they don't realise that you have to get quotes, a committee has to consider the quotes, we look at the budget, do we have enough money? So you can't just get things done straight away for you like you can Mm. in in a freestanding home. That's a very common misconception about repairs and the timing and the quantum.
1: Yep, absolutely. I'm actually experiencing that myself at the moment, Rena, because my husband and I have bought into Strata after many years in a freestanding home and we're living in our Strata property, which I'm really, really enjoying. But there's a couple of things that need to be done and explaining to my husband, who you would think has been passively living and breathing Strata for a long time, that we, do, we cannot just go ahead and start ripping up cables and attending to things that we think need repairing. We do need to make sure if we're affecting common property that we're running that past the strata manager so thanks for raising that i think it is a really common misconception Mm -hmm. now veronica is there anything that you wanted to add in terms of common uh, misconceptions or misunderstandings that you come across when you're assisting clients to purchase strata properties
0: yeah, I think um, it goes to that Libby's idea as well, which is all buildings with pools, gyms, lifts are expensive to live in. Mm-hmm. They're not all because it very much depends on the complex, obviously, and how many uh, lots are actually sharing those facilities. And, and um, so that's just one thing. And also a lot of people think that – Big complexes are not good to buy into. Mm. And as a general rule of thumb, I do prefer smaller complexes, but too small can be a problem. And, you know, and some big ones are fabulous communities, fabulous places to live, and you you can see certain evidence in that people like to upgrade within the complex or, you know, tenants like to stay within the complex, and also they have, you know, community events and, you know, cocktail parties and and various uh, buildings and complexes are, are quite amazing places to live, and so over time we sort of develop an understanding of which ones of those are really well accepted in the general buying community. And, I mean, the good ones are a small proportion of the total that are out there, let's face it, when you get into those massive complexes. But they do exist and I think a lot of people just automatically assume that none of them are any good.
1: Mm. I attended a conference earlier this year and I think it was the Deakin University Conference where a bunch of academics get together from around the world and share their research. And one of the academics had done some research on what size building is the most community minded. So where are you going to get enough interaction with enough different people that you get some diversity, but also that you know everybody's name when you see them in the lift. So not too small, not too big. And they'd come up with about 40 units in a block is a good size for getting a nice range of uh, different viewpoints and enough people and enough uh, skills around to help with projects, but not so large that you were strangers in your own building. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I like that. I'll try and find out what that research was and I'll pop a link to it in the show notes so that can be shared. Have you got any stories, Veronica or Rena, to share perhaps with clients that you've worked with either before the buying process or after uh, who've been pleasantly surprised by their experience of strata?
0: Look, I've got some, um, particularly in in Sydney because of the affordability crisis, as the media likes to call it, we are seeing that more families are looking at strata as a viable option, you know, to bring up their kids. And obviously, I think that's really the way the future, particularly the way population is supposed to be growing in Sydney. But, you know, it's it's an international city type mentality as well. But we've had a number of clients probably over the last, say, 12 to 24 months, their families, they've wanted a house because they've just traditionally thought they should be having a house and and we've really gone through what's most important to them and when location and the connectivity to their existing communities and work and school and family and all those sorts of things and friends, when that is really a primary driver in their search, then what we've put to them that, you know, Strata gives a great alternative and a much more affordable alternative to families in order to stay more connected to your your existing networks. And and obviously, we focus on the 10K radius of the CBD. So, we're talking close in as well. Mm. And, you know, we've had a number of clients that have bought either a townhouse or three-bedroom apartments, and, in fact, we've got one young family who I think they're just about to move into their first home, which is an apartment in Dremoyne, and we found a two-bedroom apartment which was 120 square metres on title, which is pretty big. Mm-hmm. But they've converted it into a three-bedroom, so they've gone through right. that process of renovating and, you know, getting the approval with Strata and Council and, and the bylaws and all, all of mm-hmm. that done. <laughs> and I think they've just moved into it. And um, and that's very exciting because they had been renting in in Dremoyne for some years, and they had a, a real established network there, and that's that's a real success story. I you know I see that, and they've got room there to have another child basically, mm. and they've got, so they've got some years ahead of them, and ultimately I think a good investment that type of property as as the demand increases for it. So that's one thing that you know I've been really excited seeing that take up of that idea of Strata being a good alternative.
2: Mm culturally in europe and you know, in big cities like new york i mean you know families grow up in apartments is is not seen to be something that you know you don't aspire to whereas and you're so correct veronica that to remain connected and to remain in a certain area that that you love living in, yeah, strata is a great alternative to living in a house. So I think because living in strata means that someone's taking out the rubbish for you, someone's doing all the cleaning of the yes. common area, <laughs> all those things that you would have to do mm-hmm. as a family, which would take up your time on the weekends if you're living in a house. So as you suggested, I think it's yeah, it's now a much more viable option. And I think, you know, economically um, it does work out if you want to live in the same area to live in strata as opposed to a house and have all those benefits. And my good news story was an owner actually had um, read all the bylaws, and when they moved in, they wanted to renovate, and the application had been, you know, submitted in accordance with that. And I thought, wow, someone's actually <laughs> read them and understood them, and and knew what to do. So it was, yeah, quite a refreshing um, change, not to have to explain the process and tell them they can what they can and can't do. They actually had done the research, you know, obviously before they bought in, and then knew what they needed to do in order to get gain the approval. So that was my good news story.
0: Mm.
1: Thank you for sharing those. And I think for my part, living in Strata is definitely a lifestyle choice. And there are just so many positives when it comes to making that choice. Uh, As you say, Veronica, you can often uh, stay in the suburb that you want to be in and have access to all of your amenities that you may have gotten used to maybe before you had kids or while you were renting. And I think if you travel, if you do a lot of travel, you want to just be able to walk out the door, uh, shut it behind you and know that everything's locked up and safe and you've got neighbors listening mm-hmm. out close by and if anything happens then you're going to know about it and that's something that we like to do as a family we do a fair bit of travel and that's part of our reason to to move to strata as well to know you can just lock up and leave and when we have busy lives you know we have you know both partners working these days full-time big jobs and you don't want to be mowing the lawn on the weekend do you you don't want to be cleaning out the gutters you don't want to I certainly don't want to be doing those things I want to be the park i want to be uh you know at the pool at the beach and enjoying time with my family so strata just um has so many ticks in those boxes for me Mm. now i will ask each of you if there is anything you'd like to add before we wrap up and do let our listeners know how they can find out more about you veronica
0: Well, listeners can find out about me on my website, which is gooddeeds.com.au. I have a very extensive blog there. There's lots of resources and I've got actually a couple of blogs in there in particular about how to choose the best apartment in a block as well. So there's some thinking I might need to write a blog about how to read strata
1: reports. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sounds good.
0: But also, um, I'm launching my own podcast. Well, hopefully by the time this episode goes to air, it will be launched. But if not, it'll be imminent. So um, it's called The Elephant in the Room. Ooh. And oh. it's all about, you know, who's really making the decisions when you buy a property. Because the elephant is a metaphor for your emotions. Mm. And mm. your mind is the rider. Now, if you think about riding an elephant and the elephant wants to go left and you want to go right, I'm fairly certain you're going to be going left. (laughs) And the thing is that our elephant is making a lot of decisions for us Mm -hmm. when we buy property. Property is a very expensive Uh, Purchase, however, a very, very emotional one. I think we need Mm -hmm. to acknowledge the emotion that's involved. And so the podcast is all about that. And we are, I'll have to get you both on it. Yes, please. We're investigating, we're interviewing all sorts of people in the property industry. We start off by our first episode is interviewing a behavioural scientist and then we're getting into auctions, we're getting into agents, we're getting into data suppliers. It's fascinating. Can I tell you, what these people have been revealing to us is absolutely fascinating. I've been in this industry for only 20 years and I'm learning stuff. So
1: I'm
0: very very excited about it. So the elephant in the room.
1: Excellent. And we'll make sure that there is a link to that, Veronica, in our show notes when this episode goes to air so our listeners can check it all out. That sounds fascinating. And I would love to give you the perspective of the Strata lawyer purchasing the Strata property because yes, I turned into a crazy person. I confess. Excellent. We'll
2: book you in. <laughs> and I can also tell you the perception of a strata manager doing her yes. own search, so buying yes. a strata property years You're ago. You're both on my
1: list. <laughs> Excellent. Rina, is there anything that you'd like to add before we wrap up and remind us how to find you? Yeah, my company is Strata Central and our
2: website is stratacentral.com.au. We also have a monthly newsletter that you can subscribe to on the website and we're sort of upgrading our website in the next few weeks to add a few more things. But just on a final note, I think there's a publication that's put out by New South Wales Fair Trading on living in Strata and I think that is such a very well-structured booklet that tells you so many things in a very sort of condensed way and it's displayed in a very layman's terminology, uses a lot of layman terminology. So I think for owners, and maybe it's something perhaps that you might think about, Veronica, giving them the link to that publication, and you can also get it in hard copy. But having a read of that, I think, for people, gives you a bit of a a flavour of what Strata is. So Mm. I think for for prospective purchasers, that is a really good publication to actually – look at and read. So, that's just my final little tip for all our listeners today.
1: Mm, thanks, Rena. I will make sure there is a link to that Strata Living Handbook in the show notes for this episode. And of course, head over to au forward slash podcast and you'll see this episode up the top of the list there and that's where you'll get all of these links. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Veronica and Rena. You are busy ladies and I appreciate you giving up your time and giving so generously to our sector and can't wait to get stuck into your podcast Veronica.
0: Well, thank you Amanda. It's lovely to meet you finally uh Rena. Yes. <laughs> meet you. E meet. <laughs> <laughs> lovely chatting. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Absolute pleasure. Catch you next time.
0: Okay, yeah. bye.
1: Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently
0: delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property.